for all of your listeners, if you're suffering, if you're frustrated, if you've been told that there's nothing more that can be done, do not give up. Please don't give up because there are people like Dr. Kybird who's here trying to help people. There's people like myself who are trying to figure out how to heal the gut. There's people that are trying to figure out how to heal your adrenals, your thyroid. And it's exciting to come to a place like this. And the biggest thing is to keep hope going so that people that are getting frustrated realize that, okay, just because one doctor said that I'm crazy doesn't necessarily mean that you're crazy. You're listening to Muscle Medicine, where we debunk the myths in the health and wellness world to bring you the latest updates in exercise, rehab, and nutrition from industry leaders. Join your host, Dr. Emily Kybird, chiropractor and movement expert, as she brings you simple, actionable tips to reach your fullest potential. Hey guys, Dr. Emily Kybird here with Muscle Medicine Podcast. Today we sit down with Dr. Ken Brown, a gastroenterologist in Dallas. Ken is a dear friend and the creator of Atron Teal, a really remarkable product on the market to beat bloating, abdominal discomfort, and any sort of constipation or diarrhea. Atron Teal uses polyphenols and they do their work in the small bowel. They move to the colon where they're naturally broken down into great prebiotics. So anyone that's having lower intestinal bloating, this is for you. And Ken is the creator of it, the founder of it. And we know in physical medicine that when you're bloated, no matter how many exercises you're given to help with low back pain, to help stabilize your core and get your joints working properly, if you are bloated, those exercises for your low back will only take you so far because the bloating in the digestive tract is competing for space in the abdomen. So enjoy the talk. Ken is such a personality. I love him to death. Let us know what you think about the episode. Go to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review. Can't wait to hear what you have to say about this episode. All right, we're sitting here in Denver in a hotel room with Dr. Ken Brown, clinic gastroenterologist with a clinic in Dallas, creator of Atron Teal. Is that okay? Is that how it goes? Dr. Kybert, I'm just going to stop you right now. I've never had such a beautiful intro to any podcast I've ever done. The fact that you not only can pronounce the name, but you can actually sing the name, you have just won me over completely. So three months ago, we were in San Diego. You busted out the X3, which is this platform with a bar, with a band, and you're like, Kybird, press this overhead. It's only going to get harder with the resistance as you press. And I took, a, you took your challenge. And then I was like, show me your squat form. Yes. <laughs> and so, then we started to pick up some asymmetries happening. So you being a functional medicine chiropractor and me being a functional medicine gastroenterologist, I'm very open to new ideas. And I heard Dave Asprey was interviewing Dr. John Jaquish. And Dr. Jaquish had developed this X3 bar. I'm like, well, I have to try this out. And so I traveled with it, saw you. It's portable. Basically, it was, yeah, it was portable. It was cool. Basically, was trying to get you to uh, have a little fun and show that. Then you spun it around on me and said, you know what? Let's see your form. It's all about form. And I'm like, uh-oh. So you had me do a deadlift. You're like, oh, and then you started moving this here. You're not loading your core. You're not doing this. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I know. Uh, I have a lot to learn. And so that's why we're here, because I was very impressed by all your knowledge and, uh, you know, you give so much success to your patients, and I like to think I do the same thing in the gastroenterology world, but your specialty is not mine, so here we are. Here we are. And I almost traveled with double 16-kilo kettlebells to San Diego because I knew <laughs> the hotel gym wasn't going to have any. So we come across a lot of people who are working on functional movement, moving better, trying to get out of pain through rehab, and they come to see us, and... Sometimes we pick up that they have some bloating or distended belly, and we know that they are not going to get better until they start to correct that because they won't be able to stabilize their core well. 
And this is where you come in <laughs> with Atron Teal. With Atron Teal. So one of the things that you did that was really interesting with me, when I was trying to load for deadlift or squat, you pointed something out that I was not filling my belly with my moving my diaphragm down, bracing my belly, I believe the term. Yes, bracing. Bracing. Bracing the belly, taking out the lordosis or the curve in the spine, which I had never been taught that before. And holding that and pulling that up, then you and I got to talking that you actually have a lot of clients that have a difficulty doing that if they're super bloated. And that's what I deal with all day long. So what are some of the common causes that you come across with your clients with the bloating? So my typical patient is somebody like this. They will come to me and it'll be male or female. They were perfectly normal. Then they went down to Mexico one time or they go to a, they travel and they get a bug. Then afterwards, they recover from the bug, but... I've had that bug. Have you? <laughs> I have. And then they end up having these residual issues, which we would used to call post-infectious irritable bowel syndrome. Now, the problem is that irritable bowel syndrome is a trash can diagnosis. So if you see a traditional gastroenterologist, they're going to scope you, check blood work, and then say everything's normal, pat you on the head and say, you just have IBS, here's an antidepressant. And now we know that something else could be going on. It could be that that infection caused a change in the motility in your intestines. And now bacteria are growing where it shouldn't be. And we call that bacterial overgrowth. So I have all these patients that come to me that were perfectly normal one day. Something happened. It doesn't have to be an infection. It could be antibiotics. It could be a very stressful situation. It could be having an infection. Or eating a very poor diet, lots of refined foods, sugars, processed, you know, all that. And can you see that if you scope them? You do not see that. Interesting. And I listen to the history of it. So it's mostly a history thing. There are a few tests which the reliability is a little bit low, like a breath test, but it's at least something that we can look for. The key is thinking about this could potentially be happening. So that's what I deal with is the person that when they eat... 15 to an hour afterwards, they end up bloating up and they actually feel like they're pregnant. That affects everything. In your world, it would affect possibly even it could cause back pain. Yeah, It absolutely. could affect working out. I get people that it affects everything from clothes fitting. Obviously, it affects intimacy and different things like that. The bloating is the main symptom. And unfortunately, there are no pharmacologic remedies to help with bloating. We have drugs to help you poop. We have drugs to help you stop pooping. Gas-X? Gas-X helps in the stomach, doesn't help in the small bowel where the real mm. problem is happening. So there's really no significant help, and that's where we come in. That's where... So my story is that 10 years ago, I was doing clinical research for Big Pharma, and we realized that this big gaping hole was there. You don't need to give somebody antidepressants because they're bloated. You need to fix the root cause. That's why we developed Atrantil. And what does the antidepressants, what it, why is that prescribed? Oh, isn't it seems that so funny? backwards. I don't know. It's because as traditionally trained doctors, when you look at the blood work, when you look at the x-rays, when you do a procedure like a scope and everything's normal, well, if everything's normal, then it must be your fault in your head. And that is exactly where it was 30 years ago when it was felt that stress was the root cause of ulcers. And then an Australian gastroenterologist figured out it was due to bacteria many times. He almost killed himself doing it, ended up winning the Nobel Prize. So here we are with a paradigm shift, having the exact same thing that now we realize it's not in your head. It's actually because bacteria are growing where they shouldn't be. It isn't that bacteria are good or bad because we love our microbiome. It's that they're growing where they shouldn't be. We just need to get them to go back to where they should all live, in the colon, 100 trillion bacteria, thousands of species. They do wonderful things for us. But when they start residing in different places in your gut, problems happen. So when you see someone in it, they are presenting with that bloating. Can you see it? Is it like upper abdomen, middle, lower, full tummy, <laughs> bloat? Those are all great, great questions because that's the history that I take. When you eat, specifically starchy foods, do you bloat? 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, hour, tells me where possibly the bacterial load is. So 
I will have patients come in and they're like, yeah, I blow really low down here. Then we know that we have a situation where possibly bacteria is growing in a really low area in your lower duodenum or your jejunum. If you bloat almost immediately, then we know that's very upper gut. So those stories that you're talking about or those history, that's why history is so important with everything. Interesting. So in clinical practice, from a physical perspective, most people breathe down to their belly button, right? Ideally, they would breathe all the way down to the fronts of their hips. And why? That lower belly breath gives good core stability to like the lower, lower back lumbar which is most of where our disc herniations happen. So that was one of the things that you were telling me. So if I'm going to do a strenuous exercise, explain to me exactly how I should be breathing. So you want to breathe down, right? As if you're like you're the fronts of your hips, your hip points, the where the bones stick out. You want to breathe almost below that, like almost to your pubic bone. You want to breathe wide and into your low back. So you're creating this 360 breath all the way around the belly. And then when you move that load and you want the brace to match the load, right? So you don't need to bear down really hard if you're going to pick up a pen, but if you're going to pick up a 300 pound deadlift, you want to brace and is yeah, basically bracing and creating intra-abdominal pressure from the inside out, but for momentarily, whatever load you're moving. So that was something that I've lifted my entire life. I've lifted inappropriately with no coaching or anything. I'm somebody that tries to stay in shape but listen to a lot of bro science. <laughs> I spend all of my time looking at actual research in gastroenterology, but this is why we rely on experts like you to help buffoons like me that are just trying to go out there and just stay in shape and um, do whatever. But the way that we're talking about that, we do have some synergy here because yeah. if you're trying to have your clients breathe down into their pelvis and their small bowel is completely filled with air. You're not moving anything. No, in there. there's nothing. <laughs> it gets stopped. Yeah. And in fact, what I have a lot of complaints is that since the diaphragm will send signals to your brain for shortness of breath, I have so many people that are coming and be like, when I get so bloated, I feel like I have air hunger because they're trying to move their diaphragm down, which is exactly what you're trying to do is basically fill the gut so that you're going to push the diaphragm up. And everything is, there's just a smaller space. Yeah. And I bet those people are really anxious. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So what I end up getting, so when we see this tie of the brain gut, now I'm thinking of a whole new level here, which is brain gut breathing, which is what you're an expert in and pelvic floor issues. I see a lot of people that are very anxious because once we get the gut inflamed, there's more serotonin in your intestines than there are in your brain. The receptors or? Serotonin receptors. There's more receptors in your gut than there are in your brain. Yeah. And it goes a little bit further because then we start talking about stimulating other types of cells like mast cells, which release histamine. And the histamine can actually go and create neuroinflammation. And then there was a recent article, this, you're going to get a kick out of this, just so that you realize that when you have clients that are trying to deal with these different things, there was a recent article that came out with electron microscopy that showed something called an enterochromaffin cell or basically cells that live in the intestines. We always thought that the intestines communicated through hormones to the brain. Mm -hmm. They were able to show that these cells actually reach out with a hand and they can grab the nerve and it becomes a neurotransmission. What that means is you can actually have neuroinflammation due to gut inflammation without hormones or anything. So the brain-gut connection is so exquisitely complicated that we're now seeing that if you have an unhealthy gut, you can have issues like autism. If you have an unhealthy gut, you can have issues like dementia, cradle to grave. So it is no joke that when yeah. we want to protect the gut, you spend your career making people physically healthy. My issue is how do we make sure that you spend all this time making them physically symmetric, healthy, strong, and they don't become demented. So they work their whole life to do this and all of a sudden they're demented. And I have a moral obligation to make sure it's not the gut doing it. Yeah. So tell me more about Entrantiel. Entrantiel. It's probably a little bit easier if I give a little background as sure. to how it developed. So I was doing clinical research for Big Pharma for many years. I was working with a doctor named Dr. Mark Pimentel, who's the godfather of this 
whole definition of bacterial overgrowth, SIBO. He's the one that called me up and said, you know what? The problem is we'll never be able to fix these people that are bloated and constipated because the thing that's causing the constipation is a type of bacteria that produces methane. We don't have anything to affect that type of bacteria. Modern day antibiotics don't work on it. I was sitting in my office one day, eight years ago, and I'm drawing out the equation for this. And my research manager came in and she goes, what are you doing? I said, I just got the phone with Dr. Pimentel. And there's, as it turns out, it all comes down to this type of bacteria producing methane. She goes, oh, that's funny. When I was a policy writer for a senator in Iowa, they were trying to mandate that the farmers add food products to decrease methane production in the cattle. And I went, oh my, that's my aha moment. I'm like, we need to find all that literature. So we spent the next several years reviewing all that animal data and realizing that something massive was missed. If we put three polyphenols together, which are the molecules in the Mediterranean diet, the things that make vegetables colorful, we could actually get rid of that type of bacteria and get rid of the methane. Wow. Yeah. So it was like, is that fate? Is that kismet? What is it that you just have this random collection of things happening? And that's how we ended up doing clinical trials on Atrant Hill. And we did a randomized placebo control trial. We did another trial. Bottom line is, if you bloat after you eat, we have a four out of five chance of getting you better. And that stood the test of time. We, you know, we've been around for a few years now. We've helped millions of people. And it's doing really well. So in the layman's terms, what we do is we get rid of bloating. If you bloat after you eat, chances are I'm going to help you. Amazing. Do some people not believe in SIBO? Like some functional medicine doctors? Oh, I don't think any functional medicine doctor doesn't believe in SIBO. I think there's a ton of traditional doctors that don't believe in SIBO. Right. Functional medicine doctors, and this is a new, this is a new arena for me over the last few years. I have a whole new respect for this field of functional medicine. I'm meeting, we're here in Denver at a meeting with functional medicine doctors, healthcare entrepreneurs, and I just sit there and I walk around with a pad all day long because I learn everything. I mean, come on, I brought you, we were, I was trying to show you this cool thing I had. And the first <laughs> thing you did is start realizing my poor form. And I went, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So in the traditional functional medicine space, there's a lot of doctors that kind of went with this candida yes. thing early on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then now they're kind of going with the SIBO. And I did the uh, Canada Summit with a, with a friend of mine named Evan Brand. And I did his summit. And I was able to, he wanted me to tie in how Canada fits into this kind of picture. Because the reality is it's the multibiome. It's not the microbiome. It's the multibiome. We have fungal species called Canada, which will break down food just like bacteria and they will donate things so the bacteria can build methane from it. So then that makes total sense to me that you've got functional medicine doctors were way ahead of the curve thinking like this because now it makes sense. The multibiome interacts and if you eat poorly, go through these different things, keep abusing your body, you're going to set yourself up for a situation where all you're doing is feeding this little ecosystem in your body. So by knowing that irritable bowel, which a lot of people get labeled, is probably something that you can fix. A lot of my colleagues were taught, and I mean traditional MDs, gastroenterologists, were taught that it is essentially a functional diagnosis that's in your head. Now, I imagine- That's crazy. It's fascinating because even doctors that I've done research with, it's medicine though. It's what you're taught- if you're not open to receive the message, sometimes it's a little bit difficult. You probably have a whole lot of people that have other symptoms besides gut issues. Maybe they have fibromyalgia. Maybe they've got uh, brain fog. Maybe they've got chronic pain. All of that comes down to inflammation. And yeah. a lot of times inflammation starts in the gut. Yeah, all of it. So many times you could probably help some of your patients by treating their gut. I know you and I have talked about that. You're extremely healthy and you are very disciplined with your diet. So, you know, you've, you've lived it. You even had some health issues that you discovered through functional medicine, I right? I did. Every, I was like mast cell. Yes. I had mast cell activation. Yeah. 
eczema. Yeah. Hashimoto's the full gamut of parasite. That's where I started first. I had to go kill my parasite. Yeah. So I, I lecture a little bit between the Venn diagram, well, I call it my Venn diagram of IBS, diet, and leaky gut. And when I say leaky gut, I'll probably lose <laughs> 90% of traditionally trained gastroenterologists. And you'll win 100% of the functional medicine doctors. <laughs> but the beauty is I can show you that the problem is this. Traditional MDs, if you want to, when I say leaky gut, I have a slide where I have a doctor with his head buried in the sand. They're just not even listening. And unfortunately, a lot of people that look on the internet, the definition of what leaky gut is, is just this wide open gate and you're just, everything is just going through. I work with scientists all over the world that are actually doing specific research on the tight junction. And it is so exquisitely complex that we call it intestinal permeability. And we know that if you have bacterial overgrowth or you have a molecule called zonulin, are you familiar with zonulin? I'm not familiar with zonulin. So zonulin is a protein produced by people who have either gluten sensitivity or celiac disease. So when you eat wheat, your body will react to the, a molecule in wheat called gliadin and it produces zonulin, which leads to intestinal permeability, AKA leaky gut. Right. And then the final thing that causes it is really refined foods diet. The traditional Western diet where you're opening a package or if you're in a drive through line, chances are you're eating very refined foods. Right. Those actually lead to intestinal permeability or leaky gut. And we know that leaky gut, what it does is your body gets exposed to more outside, we call them antigens, but basically it is exposed to the outside world and over repeated time, you will end up developing antibodies. So you said the word Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune disease for thyroid. So you probably had intestinal permeability. Oh, most definitely. Gut. Yeah. I mean, after killing the parasite, it was a gut healing protocol for about eight weeks and then doing a heavy metal detox. I mean, gut protocol throughout the whole thing. And then tested my labs every three months. So you could literally see my thyroid antibodies off the charts. And now my thyroid levels, everything's normal. Everything's great. That's awesome. So when people say leaky gut, I'm picturing things that are foreign bodies that should not be passing through the gut lining into the blood barrier. Is that correct? Is passing through, but shouldn't be. Because it's like, because of the permeability, because it's too permeable. Is that accurate? It is accurate that it's too permeable. So it's increased intestinal permeability. But if we want to really think about what's actually going on and you visualize this. And so this is where I, I tend to get really excited about this. So I will geek out for just, just do it. Just let me geek out for a moment. Do it. Okay. So basically you have this intestinal lining. Imagine your listeners should imagine two cells, which normally are extremely tight. And then they allow the outside world to come in. So our guts are this huge, beautiful environment where they need to accept things that we need to build and to heal. And they need to reject bacteria and things like that. There's a cell down there that's like a security guard called a dendrite. And this guy just reaches up and he samples the outside world and then he hands it to his boss, which is a B cell. It says, boss, is this something good or bad? And then the B cell goes, no, nah, it's normal. It's a piece of hamburger. Don't worry about it. He goes, okay. So it goes on and then the, everything gets digested and everything. Now imagine a situation where we keep feeding our gut something that isn't quite normal, but you keep doing it over and over and over again. Maybe it's bacterial overgrowth. Dendrite reaches up, hands it down, hands it to a B cell and goes, boss, is this normal? This B McDonald's, goes, is this normal? Yeah. Is this... <laughs> Is this normal? And of course, in the McDonald's, we know that the bread is made with traditionally raised wheat, which will have pesticides on it, which allow for more leaky gut. Roundup. So, Roundup. I didn't want to say the word, but yes. And so Roundup has something that actually creates some intestinal permeability. So the dendrite reaches up and hands it to him. And the B cell goes, ah, it doesn't, I don't know. And then while he's still analyzing, you keep doing it. So the dendrite goes, here's another one. Here's another one. And the B cell finally just goes, whoa. And whether it's 
McDonald's or whether it's bacterial overgrowth, the B cell goes, something's wrong. This isn't right. We shouldn't be doing this. So then it sends this whole inflammatory cascade where it turns on your immune system. And the B cell hands it to another type of B cell, and the B cell then turns into a T cell, and then eventually you have what's called an antibody because the body goes, we don't want to keep having that in our bodies, and it goes out and it starts attacking. That's the method of what something called celiac disease is, is when you develop antibodies towards gluten. As it turns out, intestinal permeability may be the same mechanism for all autoimmune disease. It's an overreaction of your immune system. So what I mean by geeking out is, is that your body's trying to figure it out, but it's not the most brilliant thing. It's trying to keep you alive. And the biggest thing is, evolutionary-wise, it has to produce antibodies in case you do have a salmonella. So you end up going someplace and you end up getting really sick. If it doesn't do that, you die. So the dendrite reaches up, hands the B cell, and the B cell goes, oh my gosh, this is a serious thing we have to fight. So it produces antibodies and kills it. Problem is, living in the United States, we end up exposing ourselves to a lot of things that may make our body not really understand why it's doing it. Yeah. And in your case, something happened, turned on your immune system, and eczema, Hashimoto's, and a lot of other things. Now, what's super fascinating for you listeners is that the other thing that I deal with all the time is people that have this situation have other problems like brain fog, fibromyalgia, chronic pain, pelvic pain, which I know you deal yes, with a lot. I want to talk about that. Pelvic pain, restless leg, things like that. Those are all trash can diagnoses as well. And so if you talk to a gastroenterologist, they'll sit there and say that fibromyalgia and IBS are linked. I tell you that fibromyalgia and IBS have a root cause and it's intestinal inflammation. So what do you see with your pelvic floor people? Because when I think of people with pelvic floor issues, so incontinence, constipation, what else do you see? So as a gastroenterologist, there's lots of overlap with, with what I do. And so me, the gynecologist, physical therapist, yeah. chiropractors. So there's inflammation can lead to different things. So in my world, what I see is somebody will have bacterial overgrowth. They will bloat after they eat. They produce methane. Methane is a paralytic, meaning it'll slow everything down. So then methane goes into the colon, slows everything down. They have constipation. If everything's moving slowly and they try and go to the bathroom, then they have to strain a lot. Bear down. They bear down. Yeah. And then if you're in a situation, women tend to have it more than men just because of anatomy. At post-babies is a little bit worse and things yeah. like that. Then you end up having nerve confusion. Certain muscles relax. And this is more your field than mine, but... We know that certain muscles relax when they should be contracting. Other muscles contract when they, shouldn't, when they should be relaxing. And the person doesn't realize that. The root cause was the inflammation in the gut leading to methane, leading to constipation. And this person is just trying to get poop out. And they don't realize that they're creating more trouble. And right. over time, these are the people that end up having the prolapses. These are the people that, you know, we, we see that they've got pelvic floor issues and they've got pelvic floor dysfunction that is the end result but before that happens people end up having other issues in the pelvic floors with like sexual issues where they got dyspareunia which is the word for painful sex they've got issues where they can't get the stool out they've got issues with urinary incontinence it all plays together so do you have like a success story i mean i'm sure you have thousands of do you have one that comes to mind with someone with this that has seen you? With pelvic floor issues or, I mean, I got- I Pelvic have some... floor issues related to exactly what you're talking about. The constipation, the bearing down, but that was just secondary to the bloating. Oh, 100%. So I found this fantastic physical therapist who happens to have a passion about pelvic floor issues, which I had discovered, I guess, about five years ago. Yeah. And what that has done is allowed us to work on both issues at the same time. She uses biofeedback, and I just commend her tremendously for focusing on this one specific aspect, 
because it is a little invasive. And I'm sorry, gastroenterologist doing scopes all day. <laughs> yeah, maybe so, multiple times a week. <laughs> yeah, so I've had these tremendous success stories where we treat the bloating. Yeah, they no longer have the constipation, and now they learn how to evacuate appropriately. And as it turns out, it's exactly like you looking at me. So funny little story. As a gastroenterologist, she said scoping all day. My right shoulder, I have posture issues related that I don't feel, but a very observant doctors like Dr. Kybird notices. She's like, you're, so you're squatting down and you were leaning over to one side. And I was like, why are you dropping that shoulder? And you're like, that's funny. I had some soft tissue work because I had neck pain for years and I got some soft tissue work and that pain went away. But I was like, the dysfunction's still in there. Like yeah. You got some ART, which I love. We do in the office, active release technique. So I will give total props where props are due. So yeah. what I was kind of giving a little bit of a story. So I still have posture issues and that's probably just because, but that gives a perfect example. I'm completely unaware that I'm doing that, which means, and you explained it, on my right side, my obliques are contracting, my left side, they're relaxing. And it's because of how I stand when I do procedures. And that's exactly what happens in the pelvic floor. People think they're relaxing. Mm, they yeah. have no clue what's happening. But props where it's due. I've got a good friend in Dallas who's an elite triathlete. His name is Dr. Ron Tribendis. And I've been to a bunch of doctors. My wife's a physical medicine and rehab doctor. Oh, awesome. I didn't know that. Well, yeah. She's on sabbatical, 13-year sabbatical. At some <laughs> point, it's retirement. But whatever. We, that's, that's a separate issue. Kids. Yeah. Kids. Yeah. And so I've got great kids. But I was having tremendous pain in my trapezius region. And I went to an orthopedist. I went to a neurologist. I got the MRI. I did all this stuff. And one of my patients said... You should go see my buddy, uh, Dr. Tribendis. And I was like, okay. And then I went in there and he said, okay, let's walk around. I'm like, what do you mean walk around? He goes, show me how you, how you stand when you work. And I showed him. He's like, oh, I got this. And he showed that my teres minor was, comp was fatigued, some scar tissue, and my trapezius was trying to support everything. Yeah. And after like three great years. Great find. Oh, after that like three so years of just being nauseous. But to him, it was normal. He's like, yeah, you're like every orthodontist I see. You're like... Blah, blah, blah. I have all these surgeons that do it. So to him, it's normal. Like if you come to me with hemorrhoids, it's just, you know, it's a layup. I'm just like, yeah, this is totally normal. It's the low-hanging fruit. It's the low-hanging fruit. I can fix your hemorrhoids <laughs> 10 out of 10 times, you know. I'm not like the difficult patient. And so, you know, I walked in and I was like, he was like, oh. So that's when him and I share patients all the time now. But that's where I have a total respect for if you learned a craft and I didn't learn it, I'm going to listen to what you said, whether it's physical medicine type stuff, whether it's skeletal type stuff, or whether it's nutrition. Honestly, I'm just now learning high-level nutrition from people like you and your friend, Gabriella, and all these other people that you run with. There's people that know more about it, and I'm open to learning. I realize there's a lot to learn. I love it. Have you considered scoping with the other hand or from another angle? So you're not always dropping the shoulder down on one side? So that would be... I've tried to shift my weight, but that would result in Scary. bad outcomes. <laughs> it's punctures, like saying, or we don't even yeah. know what would happen. Yeah, so just visualize it like this. Have you considered writing with your left hand? <laughs> you, why don't you write your novel with your left hand? Yeah. We're doing like, you know, a lot of scopes and my ambiscoping. My, you know, and so my primary goal when I talk to I have neurosurgeons and uh, that are buddies and stuff. And when you have somebody you think of one thing, patient safety, patient outcome. Let's make sure. So safety you, first, safety first. And so I will sacrifice, you know, we have heroes out there that basically sacrifice their body, not so much like posture wise, but when I think of people, I'm a huge sleep advocate. Yeah. I believe that sleep, one of the reasons why we have a lot of issues because we don't sleep well, sleep above all else, sleep above all else. So I want to put a shout out to any of your listeners who happen to be shift workers, if you're a fireman, if you're a nurse or anything, I consider you the true heroes of our society because you keep things running and you're, you're basically kind of harming yourself because to keep everything running. And that's kind of the way that I view it. I feel like I'm, I'm okay with it. As long as I keep scoping, I will take, <laughs> I'll just make sure I go to you when I'll I take finally one for the retire team. and then you'll just kind of straighten me back yeah. out. Wasn't there a study out recently that said that night shift workers had a three times higher disposition for dementia because of the, their circadian rhythm was all 
thrown off? Yeah. So there's a guy named Dr. Sachin Panda, P-A-N-D-A, who I love and I love the work he's doing at the Salk Institute. And he just does real basic science and looks at everything. And he's the one that taught me that these are the true heroes of our society because they keep the city running, whatever city you live in, and they're sacrificing it by having increased risk of cancer, increased risk of dementia, increased risk of coronary artery disease. While we're on it, I just want to say that I was in Spain last year and I'm walking around looking. What part? We did... Barcelona? Yes. Well, we started in Madrid, then went to Mallorca. I was just there Labor Day. Were you really? Yeah. And then we did Barcelona and then left from... Madrid back. I was looking around and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm in Barcelona. And like, it seemed like 70% of the people were smoking. <laughs> they were waking up eating cured hams and cheese for, with bread for breakfast. And they were having dinner at midnight. And I was just fascinated by it because they, it's not like there's a gym on every corner. Everybody always says, oh, oh it's because no. they walk more. It's because blah, 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 blah. So I came back and I started looking into it. And do you realize that we have higher dementia diabetes, coronary vascular disease. And I was trying to think about it. It's not the walking because I ended up purposely going to the suburbs when, when we when we were leaving out of Madrid to go back. Oh. I like wanted to stay. And so I like toured the suburbs because I'm like, is everybody walking? It felt like I was in Plano, Texas because it's a <laughs> suburb. People aren't walking 20 miles getting to into work. Getting the car. They get into the car and go. they go. Yeah. And they're still out living us and doing all that. Well, there's a couple things to look at about that. One of them is the polyphenol content. They eat way more polyphenols than we do. And polyphenols are found in? Polyphenols are found in, they're the things that make vegetables and fruits very colorful. Yeah. So my product, Atrantil, is actually a combination of three polyphenols. So we started looking into that and we're actually doing a little bit of research into how this affects the athlete. There is studies to show that if you take 1,000 milligrams of polyphenols daily, your colonic bacteria, your microbiome, will break them down into something cool called postbiotics. You ever heard that term? I have heard of it, but not super well read on it. So it's, it's the newest level of scientific evidence about how our microbiome plays a role in our, in our world. Because everyone's talking about prebiotics. Prebiotic, probiotic, probiotic, and I'm throwing out a, another term, postbiotic. And it's how your body uses these polyphenols, and they break them down into anti-inflammatory, anti-aging, and performance-enhancing molecules. So there's some studies that have come out that showed one of them, for example, was a trial where they looked at marathoners and cyclists, and they gave them 1,000 milligrams of polyphenols daily for seven days before. And then the other arm were people that only took polyphenols 90 minutes before the event. Significant difference in time, VO2 max. Wow. Yeah. Increasing of ATP, which is your energy. Yeah. And nitric oxide, blood flow to the muscles. It's like a natural performance enhancement. It's a natural performance enhancement. So that may be one of the reasons why the Spaniards have less of everything because they eat more of these things. I mean, they go to bed at like two. I don't know how. It's not the sleep. <laughs> it's not the sleep. It's not the smoking. I mean, I'm totally jealous. I mean, they, and I just had so much fun there. I'm like, yeah. So awesome. Yeah. You do a lot of research. Yes. I do a lot of research. I've always done a lot of research for 10 years. I did a lot of pharmaceutical research for big pharma. And that's how we ended up discovering this, as yeah. I mentioned. And now I'm developing this renewed passion for trying to do research in this functional medicine space. Off the record, I'm trying to get my group, Digestive Health Associates of Texas, DHAT, and Dr. Harry Sorrells, the head of our research division. I'm saying that on purpose because him and I are trying to figure out the terms <laughs> on how we can be the first group or at least a group to do functional research. You can call me up and you can say, I'm having tremendous success with pelvic floor issues when we stabilize their core and when we, when we fix the hip tilt or whatever it is that you're really good at. That's awesome. Let's do that. Why don't you collect some data? So everything's about data. One of the problems I've run into with functional medicine versus traditional medicine is traditional doctors will say, well, that sounds interesting. Show me the data. What people don't realize is all the data that's being produced, or I should say the majority of data being produced is funded by somebody. 
That's somebody, usually somebody that can afford it. Those that can afford it are usually a large pharmaceutical company. So even the studies that we look at that are small, it's funded by somebody. Somebody has to pay for it. And I would love for us and to be the- And it's typically big pharma, typically but you want to be- I want to be the group. You know, We're at this healthcare entrepreneurs conference and there's so many people with so many brilliant ideas. And wouldn't it be fantastic to sit there and change lifestyle and make a huge difference in people's lives as opposed to always throwing a drug out, ditching a drug. Somebody that, that we were at the table today Somebody I respect tremendously is Dr. Jolene Brighton. Oh, she's the bomb. Yeah, she is awesome. And she has a new book out called Beyond the Pill, which is after, you know, getting people off the pill and having them do that. So it's beyond the pill. And we were just talking. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this woman knows more about these hormones than anybody I've ever met. And that kind of stuff has to get out there. And, and she's known in certain circles. But I want my partners in Dallas, Texas, going, hey, who's that doctor that you know that wrote that book? I mean, I would love for that to happen. Yeah. You know, with everybody that has an idea, because the patients are doing it anyways. They're going and they're buying supplements. They're doing different things, but they have no guidance. I've always seen research as this, like, there's a very strong barrier to entry, not only financially, but the time, the commitment to gathering the data, and then defending the data, potentially. So I've... I've been on both sides. Yeah. So you have an idea. You either, if it's an FDA type thing, you need to go to an investigational review board where they say, yes, this makes a reasonable sense and blah, blah, blah. If it is something that is grass or generally regarded as safe, supplement wise, or you have a protocol or something, you can go to either a third party IRB if you want to do it, or you can actually... There's ways that there's um, complementary and alternative medicine routes to do research. Once you do it, you set up the protocol, you have your criteria, inclusion, exclusion criteria, then you enroll people, then you enroll people, and then there's epidemiologists that'll do the data. So much like everything that we do, it seems daunting until you do it and you have a process, standard operating procedure, and it's there. So it's not as big of an issue as you think. And I don't know why more people aren't doing it in the functional medicine space. Maybe the funding. It all comes down to the funding. Yeah. Somebody has to pay for it. Yeah. I'm willing to pay for it if it's a really cool idea. Nice. Awesome. <laughs> it's such a great way to support other practitioners. We're clinicians. A, for all of your listeners, if you're suffering, if you're frustrated, if you've been told that there's nothing more that can be done. It's all in your head. Do not give up. Please don't give up because there are people like Dr. Kybird who's here trying to help people. There's people like myself who are trying to figure out how to heal the gut. There's people that are trying to figure out how to heal your adrenals, your thyroid. And it's exciting to come to a place like this. And the biggest thing is to keep hope going so that people that are getting frustrated realize that, okay, just because one doctor said that I'm crazy doesn't necessarily mean that you're crazy. It means that maybe you need to take a step back and go, okay, who, who, is, who is looking at this? You had Hashimoto's thyroiditis. There's yeah. a lot of really cool thyroid experts that heal it without just adding drugs. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really, it's really becoming the CEO of your own health and really continuing to persevere. So let me ask you, what's your superpower? What's my superpower? Yeah. <laughs> I think I look, at least in like clinical practice, I look at the root cause, kind of like the missing link where other people haven't looked to kind of to figure out the root cause of someone's chronic pain. So an example, someone with bilateral plantar fasciitis. This is actually a real case that this you This is had? a real case. And woman could not stand in her shower for more than like two minutes without getting intense foot pain burning went through multiple rounds of physical therapy, calf pain, foot pain. You know, they worked on her calves and her feet. They gave her uh, rehab exercises. And she's like, I can't even like run after my kid if they were going to run across the street because my feet hurt so bad. And we figured out and she was on the table and I was like, you know, tell me about your childbirth experiences because I think you have a pelvic floor issue and just like tears. And she's like, I had episiotomy and they didn't even ask. Oh, yeah. And I just, I get chills even thinking about that right now. 
And so that old episiotomy scar was creating contracture. She wasn't able to create good intra-abdominal pressure and core stability. And because of that, her feet were doing all the work to move her through the world versus truly moving from her core center. Mm. So that was like, I mean, we see those all day. And just like your friend, I'm like, oh yeah, I see that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what is completely normal to you is completely foreign to me. Yeah. And that is knowing what I don't know has been the most humbling experience getting into this functional medicine world. So now having the humility to go, I may not know that. I'm going to rely on your expertise to teach me that. And if it makes sense, I at least know enough medicine to know if this makes physiologic sense or this seems to be something that is a little out there and I'm going to have to read about it a little bit more because there's things in, for instance... Chinese medicine. Yeah. Been around for thousands of years. Yeah. You'd think if acupuncture didn't work, somebody probably would have said, why are we doing this? But it stood the test of time. Yeah, absolutely. So that is a good example where a lot of my colleagues or a lot of my traditionally trained doctors would say, well, it's probably no role for that. And this is what happened in between meetings today. I brought up acupuncture because Dr. Jerry Bailey, who's a great chiropractor. Oh, I love the, that guy. Yeah. He's a great chiropractor in the Coeur d'Alene region. I was complaining of my sinuses. And oh, so he's like, some needles in he's like oh, let me, uh, he's like, let me fix that for you. So in between meetings, he's doing that to oh me. Oh my God. <laughs> so I've so got all like these needles, needles on like my face. In the forehead, in the yeah, sinuses, so this would be the, the first cheeks. time I've ever had acupuncture. I happened to be sitting at a meeting today. So, <laughs> <laughs> Do you think someone with bloating can get rid of their bloating without the help of Entrantil? Yes. To a certain extent or yes. so, not a hundred percent. Cause I'm thinking my own history of bloating. I used to exactly what you said. I would eat. I would look like a pregnant woman and I want to take a nap immediately. And I'm like, you know, I've done Dr. Lyon, Dr. Gabrielle Lyon's protocol and, you know, have healed my eczema, but yeah, I'm curious. So when we look at this, when we look at bacterial overgrowth, if you look at the data, there are multiple treatments for this. There's Zyfaxin, which is the FDA-approved drug for IBS with diarrhea, but essentially it's for bacterial overgrowth. Herbal antibiotics, which more than likely you took, which actually help with some parasites. They actually help with some fungus. And so that does help some people. What we're dealing with is kind of the really tough to treat people. So the combination of Atrantil, which we haven't even discussed how it works. I'll just tell you really quick. Yeah. All right. So it's it's three polyphenols. One of them is peppermint, which is uh, we use the peppermint leaf, not the oil. Everybody else uses oil. Okay. Because we need the polyphenols there. Second thing is something that most people don't know what it is. It's called quebracho colorado. It's from the bark of a really ancient tree in South America, and that comes back to the aha moment where they were feeding it to cattle. Happens to be one of the only polyphenols that actually gets rid of the type of bacteria that produces methane. And that was only from reading the research with the cattle. Reading thousands of articles oh my God. in the cattle. Yeah, literally it was two years spent just going through research. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. And the third ingredient, which is horse chestnut or conquer tree, the extract of horse chestnut, works as an antimicrobial, but more importantly, it actually shuts off the enzyme that produces the methane. So we have three ingredients that work very specifically to calm the area down with the peppermint, allow the quebracho to get in there and soak up the gas, and let's just say weaken the archaeobacter. Then the third ingredient shuts off the methane production. So we, one of the clinical trials that we did publish, was, I, I, it got published in the World Journal of Gastroenterology. I call it the worst of the worst. You basically had to have failed everything. That's so like much. the sickest... Absolute. It's pretty much all I get at this stage. So they'd already failed bacterial. They've already still failed neomycin, zyfaxin, amatizin. You name every pharmacologic agent. And then they failed every probiotic. And then you had to have failed wow. every herbal antibiotic regimen. Because that's when we were trying to see if we had something good for people. You're literally the last resort. We were it. And we showed that we had an 88% quality of life improvement and four out of five people improved if they had those typical symptoms which is insane. It's crazy. This is why I'm so excited about functional medicine research. We found something far superior to any pharmacologic agent, and it could actually be really good for you for the polyphenols. I bet you there's so many different things out there just like that. We just got to do the research. Yeah. On it. 
my deals, I'm going to stay in the gut, but let's find other people that have passions and other things. Let's look at it. You know, so the research is the key to everything. Yeah. So where can people find Atrantil? They can find Atrantil at atrantil.com. Do we have a uh, vanity site for you? Like lovemytummy.emily, <laughs> lovemytummy.urbanwellness. Not yet, but I see lovemytummy.com, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, so I want to I make sure everybody can find it on your site so that you can promote it a little bit. Let's go ahead and let your listeners decide which one. It's lovemytummy.urbanwellnessclinic.com, lovemytummy.musclemedicine.com, lovemytummy.emily. Oh, I'm going to have to go with muscle medicine because it medicine. might be more than just there like in the clinic, you know? And then you can have your clients use it for the polyphenol effect, the increased nitric oxide, which increases vasodilation, which has been shown, the increased getting rid of oxygen-free radicals so you can recover better. See, it's a win-win. I'm going to try this when I work out. Yes. To help recover better. It was shown that you have to actually stay on a regular basis because of the postbiotics we were talking about. Yeah. Those are the anti-aging molecules, the anti-recovery molecules. So So how long? You're saying you have to stay on for a while. So basically every one of my patients that took it and we helped them with their bacterial overgrowth and yeah. the bloating, yeah. this is how we started looking into the, wait a minute, we're having, we're doing something more than this. They all stayed on it. They all kept taking it. I'm like, well, you don't have to take it anymore. You're not bloated. They're like, no, I just feel better on it. And that's when we started looking what at these amazing, other amazing, oh my God, outcome. Yeah, but it all comes down to these. You're going to see that these polyphenols are the things that we need more of as Americans. So- in your study where it was more of like sports performance with the cyclists and the runners? Those, that was not my study. That was not your study, yeah, sorry. I, yeah, I just want to clarify that this yeah. is kind of, there's a, there's a Dr. Boatwell out of the UK who has tremendous research on this. Yeah. So the fun part about this is that the research is out there. We just got to tie it together. So that's kind of what I'm trying to do with my brand, yeah. to be totally honest. I'm trying to bridge the gap between traditional medicine and natural solutions. And that's why we're doing this podcast, because I love being around people like you that are innovative thinkers. You ultimately just care about the patient and you want to see everybody get better. Yeah. And where can people find you? They can find me at KBMD. KBMD. Health.com. Like Ken Brown, MD, health.com. And I still have a traditional practice, but we're really expanding to try and get some of this information out there. And once again- So powerful. Yeah. And so I'm just going to say it again. If you bump into Dr. Harry Soils at DHAT, tell him that we need functional medicine. (laughs) arm of research. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on. No, it was my pleasure and my honor. Thank you so much for the work that you do. Thank you. There you go, Dr. Ken Brown. What a powerhouse. If you feel like muscle medicine is adding value to your life, go to iTunes, subscribe, rate and review. It means so much to us spreading the word on how to feed the largest organ in the body, the muscle. And how to not only feed it, but train it properly. We're trying to debunk the myths in the health and wellness world. And by subscribing and rating and reviewing on iTunes, it shares the message. And we're trying to debunk all those myths and those beliefs that working out more and eating less is going to give you the body you want. So share the message. Thank you so much. See you guys next week. 